Welcome to the Sermon Scraps podcast. I'm Josh Taylor. After I preach, I get a lot of hard questions from people who want to know more about the Bible. That is why the Sermon Scraps podcast exists. Each week, I try to respond to those questions from God's Word. This week on Sermon Scraps, I want to respond uh, to a statement uh, that was posted on Facebook uh, and just trying to give my feedback and um, help an individual uh, think through what the statement means and um, consider some resources and how to respond. But uh, this uh, lady uh, had a friend comment to her that, um, and here's the statement, says, I believe in God, but not the Bible. Men wrote it, and I heard that one of the priests who translated it, meaning the Bible, became an atheist. So I want to kind of segment these lines and then respond to each one. The first one that I want to look at is just the concept of men writing the Bible. And as a Christian, uh, we would wholeheartedly agree that, yes, men wrote the Bible. Um, in Second Peter chapter one verses uh, verse twenty one, uh, this is the Apostle Peter exp- giving us some insight into uh, kind of the process of writing Scripture, and uh, he said this because no prophecy, right? And prophecy, I, I know we tend to think of it as future, which it definitely has an aspect of being future oriented, but prophecy in its most basic core fundamental definition is is speaking on God's behalf it is it is saying thus saith the Lord and so it could be an explanation for something that's happened in the past it could be an exhortation to do something presently it could be you know insight into an event that's going to happen that's yet to happen but he says because no prophecy ever came by the will of man All right so a word of the Lord is not sourced in the human mind, heart, or will. And then it goes on. Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's still kind of even an abstract idea because then you get into the uh, like Christians who discuss and debate, like what is the process, the mechanics of inspiration? What does it mean that God carried men along by the Holy Spirit. But the, the all that I want to point out is that at its very core, inspiration, and there's here's one definition for it, is a divine action that creates an identity between a human word and a divine word. Now, again, theologians, scholars, well-meaning, good Christians will debate over how God superintends the process of inscripturating his word. But what we will affirm is that the scriptures are inspired in such a way that when we see men's words, we are recognizing the source, the ultimate source of these words has come from God himself. All right. Now I want to get into maybe a sub idea about when people say men wrote it. The reason why people have an issue with saying men wrote the Bible and that God didn't just write it and it dropped out of the sky and somebody picked it up one day is because we have this this illogical sentiment. That's really what it is. 
that that's that's like this. Uh, and Dr. Clay Jones in his uh, prepared defense material puts it this way. He says people will say this: humans make mistakes in everything they write. And then Dr. Jones is quick to point out, but notice that's a self-defeating statement because the statement human ma- humans make mistakes in everything they write would also be mistaken. It should contain a mistake. And the point is it goes to show that just because humans are fallible, it doesn't mean that humans cannot arrive at the truth and cannot convey the truth. Um, if you're a human and you write 2 plus 2 equals 4, you didn't make a mistake. You expressed the truth. And then on top of this, you got to imagine for just a moment, you got to make one assumption. If God exists, is he not capable of taking still a fallible human who can who can arrive at the truth, who can communicate the truth, and under inspiration ensures that they always communicate the message that God has for them to share. Absolutely, right? So we as we as Christians we accept uh, humanity's limitations. But the doctrine of inspiration is saying there's another person involved, namely God, who superintends the process to ensure that humans, the men who wrote the Bible, are speaking correctly, right? Um, And then, of course, I mean, just to make it plain as day, I like how Jones puts it. He says, to argue that an all-powerful God couldn't write what is perfect through an imperfect human is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It just doesn't hold up water. Now, granted, like, catch what I mean. If there's no God, right, these men's these men are speaking prophecy of their own will, right? There is no guarantee that God has superintended the process to make sure that they're speaking, you know, God's honest truth. But I, I just want to note, men can speak the truth, and then especially if God is superintending the process, He'll make sure that his truth is communicated through those men. Now, another aspect that's mentioned here, and I'm not trying to be rude. I, I'm, I, I, would, I would challenge this individual on this statement where it says, I heard that one of the priests who translated became an atheist. I have learned as a pastor, as an apologist, anytime I'm dealing with someone that bases their arguments on hearsay, on what they've heard, and they cannot cite the source from themselves. Uh, that's like a red flag. And not not to say that they're, uh, I'm not trying to say that they're unreasonable. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. What I mean by a red flag, it's a spiritual red flag in the sense of a couple of things. One, if what we are preaching, the gospel, is true and has eternal implications and ramifications, then we need to press upon every individual that for you to follow any person blindly when it comes to matters of religion like we're talking about, that is spiritually uh, unwise, right? Um, That if if this is going to be a reason for why you don't trust the Bible as God's word, I would challenge that individual saying, you need to hunt this down and find out 
whether it is the absolute truth or not. Now, secondly, let's say that it's absolutely true. Let's say that an individual who translated the scriptures became an atheist. I personally find it ridiculous as to why that would even matter. And, and let me use an example. It's the equivalent of saying like a Christian could not translate the Quran or a Jew could not translate the Greek New Testament. Just because someone may not affirm or believe our bias doesn't mean they all of a sudden become incapable of following the rules of translation, right? Bart Ehrman's a well-known atheistic New Testament scholar. I do not doubt that if you handed Ehrman a Greek New Testament, that he couldn't translate it for you appropriately. The difference is, and this is important to note, we're not, you're not arguing over whether someone's translating it correctly or not. Are they being faithful to the original text? It would be more of an issue, for instance, if you had like, um, I'm using an example, maybe like a pastor who preached to you and became an atheist. What I mean is you would ask them why they no longer believe that it's true. But you, you don't have to believe a text is true or not in order to translate a text. That's what I'm, I'm trying to emphasize here. So that last statement to me is probably the most concerning in the sense that it's so undiscerning. Um, if, 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 if your eternal destiny stands or falls on what you do with the Bible, what's in it, then don't leave it to chance to somebody else. Because quite frankly, I, I don't even know what this person's alluding to. Um, and then even if it was true, my point being, so what? As long as the, the text is faithfully reproduced, um, you can believe whatever you want to believe. All right. Um, the next part that I do find the most important, and I, and I do have to kind of hurry along because I know this could get really long, is just the statement that, I have a lot to say about and won't have the time to do it, is the the concept of I believe in God, but not the Bible. I think that's very uh, possible, probable. Many people are that way. Some people who even say they believe in the God of the Bible hasn't have not even read the Bible to know that's probably the God you're thinking of is not the God of Scripture. Nevertheless, this is kind of like when people believe in the philosopher's God, where uh, they believe, you know, they look at creation, they believe somebody must have made it. Um, they have that conscience, they're conscious, they're aware of moral right and wrong, that there's some objectivity to it. And they recognize that must be transcendent from just mere opinion or, or cultural taboo. Um, they may even, um, look at the way just, you know, brothers and sisters of the human race, how we interact and we see God's image in one another, as being his children, being created in his image. So there's many reasons to believe in God and not necessarily believe in the Bible. You say, so why, Josh, would I believe in the Bible? Why do I believe in the Bible? Why should that person believe in the Bible? And it's really simple. It has everything to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, in fact, I'll put it this way, is if you could establish every 
uh, statement of scripture, like historically, where you can go and find, you know, if it names a place, you go find the place, right? You have evidences of a worldwide flood, all the things, all the things that we argue over, right? But if you could establish their veracity and, and at the same time, you proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that God did not raise Jesus from the dead, I'd throw my Bible away. All right. So what I mean by that is it all rises and falls on the resurrection because the other way it works this way, too. If God raised Jesus from the dead and he reversed our verdict on him, where we said this man's blasphemous, he's out of his mind, we should kill him. And God goes, no, everything that he said, he's my son and he spoke it truthfully. Jesus also tells us that the scriptures are God's word. So my point being this is if you believe God raised Jesus from the dead, then you have to pick up your Bible because the person God raised from the dead says every word in this book is true. And and then God put his stamp on Jesus and Jesus put his stamp on the Bible. Um, so that's why I say it all comes down to if you want to if you want a person to believe that Jesus is God, you know, the God of the Bible is named Jesus Christ. Then you, then you, in my opinion, it's one thing, focus on an apologetic for the resurrection. Now I've got like three minutes left and I'm going to maybe give you like a, a rapid fire apologetic for the resurrection. Number one, no scholar in their right mind denies that Jesus of Nazareth actually existed, lived 2000 years ago and died by Roman crucifixion. That's an established fact. You don't even need the scriptures to prove that. You can turn to Josephus's Antiquities or Tacitus's Annals of Rome, and you'll see about a Christ figure who died by Roman crucifixion under the orders of Pontius Pilate. It, it just verifies what the scriptures are talking about. Two, you have to find a natural explanation for the disciples, the group that followed Jesus, their sincere belief that God raised Jesus from the dead. Um, you got to recognize that if they stole the body, they would not have sincerely believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. They would have known about it. They would have been lying. And the truth of the matter is martyrs don't die for known laws. Martyrs die for laws, but not laws that they know to be false. You know what I'm saying? They actually know it to be false. And so you have to ask yourself, what gave these men, a group of them, reason to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead to the point that they would lay down their life? The third thing is you got to account for the transformation of the Pharisee Saul to the great Christian missionary and theologian, the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was an enemy of Christianity, and then one day... And he, uh, uh, to his own admission, came to repent and believe Christ as God because the risen Jesus appeared to him. Um, I'll give you one last thought. You say, so Josh, if God didn't actually raise Jesus from the dead, what do you suppose could account for those three facts? One, that Jesus actually existed and died on a Roman cross. Two, that a group of his followers sincerely believed, may have wrongly believed, but still sincerely believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. And then basically what accounts for Paul's sincere conversion. 
The only thing you could get close to after all the study that I've found is a natural way to explain it would be an, I mean, an, an almost an otherworldly conspiracy is that unbeknownst to the disciples, you know, and this is all made up. I'm just giving you an idea, like a necromancer waltzed into Jerusalem after the crucifixion of Jesus happened to steal his body unbeknownst to the disciples. Then the disciples under duress had a group hallucination collectively, which is psychologically impossible, but for just one time in human history, 11 guys tripped out at the same time and saw, heard, and touched the body of Jesus right in front of them, all right? And then sometime later in a separate group under the duress of persecution that he had been committing on the Christians, uh, Paul uh, had a hallucination that corresponded with the risen Jesus that the disciples had. And at that point, I, I, with, with gentleness and respect, I don't have enough faith to believe any of that. You have to read so in between the lines. The only presupposition that there is in that whole process I gave you for a supernatural explanation is, of course, that God exists. And if you consider the ha religious context, the claims that Jesus was making, isn't it odd that the one man that's been raised to immortality and incorruptibility is the one man who was running around performing these miracles, saying he was God, the son of man, the son of God, um, and that his father would vindicate him. That man's the one that's been raised from the dead. Um, so <laughs> to me, I... I, I encourage you, go look at the resurrection. I, I am a believer today. I am a, a pastor today. My faith rests, ultimately, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, and that's how I would encourage you to say, if you believe in God and you're not sure about the Bible, answer just one question, did God raise Jesus from the dead? And if he did, Jesus tells us every word that came that's in that book comes out of the mouth of God. If you have a question, please email me at joshoutloud.com at gmail.com. Again, that's joshoutloud.com at gmail.com. And if you're ever in the Northeast Georgia, Habersham County area, come give us a visit at Mount Carmel Baptist Church in Demarest. You can find us on Facebook at MT Carmel Demarest and on our website, mtcarmeldemarest.com. The music in this podcast was by Dylan Emmett. And until next time, make much of Jesus. Love you.